welcome back to Aural Mess, a music podcast where we talk about all things music. My guest this week is Reagan Bussey, who is a radio DJ and podcaster. We cover mixtapes and playlists and find some common favorites along the way. Enjoy. Greetings and welcome back to Aural Mess for our second episode. I'm joined tonight by Reagan Bussey. Reagan, thanks for joining. Oh, you want to introduce for yourself? Me. Uh, I'm Reagan Bussey. My day job is I'm a radio DJ, and I work for two different radio stations, uh, a corporate one. So, you know, it's not as not as free, but then I work at my college radio station where I have my own show. And it's a lot of fun. I get to curate the music, do requests, talk to listeners. So that's a lot of fun. And, you know, the the college one doesn't pay well, but it's a, you know, a creative freedom kind of thing. Can't put a price on that. No, absolutely not. So what sort of music do you play on, on the corporate show, and what sort of stuff do you spin on the on the college side? So the corporate one, it's an AOR rock station. And then at um, at the college station, it's just 70s and 80s, no matter the genre or the artist. But with the, the corporate one, we have to play, you know, like Van Halen, Metallica, that kind of stuff. But then I'll play like Sparks or Roxy Music on the college station. Just a, something a little different. Sure. No, it sounds cool. I had uh, I had a college station, a uh, college radio show back in the day, uh, like 89 back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, lot different, but it was it was fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like a, you know, I, w- I was the new guy, so I had the really awful shift. I think my shift was like 6 to 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So nobody listened. Mm-hmm. And I could do whatever I wanted, you know, say, say, say whatever I wanted within reason and, and play whatever I just felt like playing. And they just had this massive record library at the time time um and you know they had small shelf full of cds because you know that was just sort of to become a thing but i used to just go dig in the stacks and find something i never heard of before and just play it mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> like sort of just discover things right yeah. alongside my listeners mm-hmm. now that's and cool then, uh, yeah i used to also oh yeah I used, to, I used to fill in for other shows you know sort of pinch hit for people if you know somebody had a hangover or they just you know needed to go to a party and didn't want to do their 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 night shift or whatever and i did everything from i think i did a punk show one time i did a metal show got a lot of grief for that because metal was just not my genre Mm -hmm. at, at that point in my life you know and um they were playing like really deep dark metal like death metal stuff and mm-hmm. i just wasn't into it so i didn't know what i was playing you know the guy left me like a 10 song list and beyond that i had to fill in two more hours so, <laughs> you know so i was like getting phone calls like why are you playing this this is awful yeah but, you know anyway it was it was a good time what do you do for a living so i'm actually a technology director for an arts organization oh okay cool yeah so i've you know, been doing that for a long time. I've been with the organization um, that I'm with now for just over 10 years. And um, it's great. You know, it's 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 real fun. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about um, in, in the lead up to recording tonight was um, playlists and mixtapes, right? Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, you being a DJ and, and just me being a music geek all my life, um, you know, it's it's one of the best forms of self-expression and, mm-hmm. and it just is so rewarding to put together a banging playlist nowadays. Yeah. Like even still, like I'll just sit there and be like, wow, these two songs would, would really go well together. And mm-hmm. then I kind of just flesh it out and build from there. So, um, you know, what's, what was your earliest experience and, and, you know, your earliest memories of, of making mixes in whatever format they were? Um, my dad was real big into like burning CDs 
So probably when I was a kid, that was one of the first experiences that I had. We had, you know, one of those uh, those things that you put CDs in, and it's like it zips up. I don't know what the – like the CD cases, and they would just be filled with different mm-hmm. albums that my dad had, like, you know, ripped off of online and stuff that we had made. And so that was probably my earliest experiences. I was a little too late for the cassette thing, but um, – I did that later in life. I have a a JVC double deck cassette player, so I've I actually have a mixtape that I made last summer. And I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later later on. But then, of course, when Spotify and you know Apple Music became a thing, I would create playlists. But I was a uh, I didn't become a real big playlist person until recently. I was very much a listen to the album, listen to one particular artist at one time. So. That's been my experience with making mixes and playlists. That's so cool. And, and the fact that you said like you're an album person, you don't find that so much anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, especially with a lot of artists nowadays that they're, they're not making albums, right? They're just putting out singles or mm-hmm. just they don't even call them singles yeah. anymore, just songs. So to... F- so when you know listening to an album and and sort of digging into that artist's vision and you know how they wanted to sequence everything and and how they have it laid out um I think it enhances the experience you I know? think so too, yeah, like when I get into an artist, I just listen to their that's how I got into Steely Dan whenever i I'd heard like glamour profession, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing. I have to go listen to all their music, so I started at the top. Listened to Can't Buy Thrill all the way through and just went through each album in order. Nice. And the funny thing is, Steely Dan's, I think, a, a kind of bad example of the whole album sequencing <laughs> thing. Because if, if you read old interviews with, with them, they're like, we don't make albums. We, we we write songs and we put things together, you know, based on tempo or, yeah. you know, how, how it feels. Like, you know, there, there's no there's no story to be told. Mm-hmm. Every, every song stands alone, right? So it's kind of funny. But that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's fun listening. I'm a huge Queen was like the first band that I ever really got into without the influence of my parents. And so Queen 2 is like a good example of you got to listen to that album from start to finish because they bleed over into the next song. Same with Dark Side of the Moon. So I love albums that do that and kind of continuously become one large song. And it really has a theme to it. Yeah. Oh, I love that, too. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned Queen because back in 1980, uh, when Another One Bites the Dust came out, I was eight years old and I was obsessed with that song. And it was one of the first LPs that I bought with my allowance money. You know, I think the, the Xanadu soundtrack was yeah. actually my first. And I think Queen was my, <laughs> my second. So um, putting that on and, and listening just that, that whole song sequence, it was mm-hmm. one of the first Queen albums, I think, where they used synthesizers. Yeah, it was. Me, I think it was mm-hmm. the first. First album, yeah, and That's so uh, funny. It just blew me away. The first LP that I ever <laughs> bought was the game, also. Really? Yeah, yeah. The game and That's uh, crazy and Dire Straits' debut album were the first two records that I ever bought. Nice. What's your collection like nowadays? Um, it's a a lot of just different things that I find at thrift stores on eBay. I think I have like three hundred records now. I've got some, I've got cassettes, and I've got a bunch of singles that I don't listen to, so they're just decoration at this point. But yeah, it's just a... Yeah, they're more trouble than they're worth. Yeah, way more trouble. And, like, if I had a jukebox, my dream is to own a jukebox and put all of the singles in there, but that kind of, it's so expensive to try and find it, or at least one that's in working order. And I mean, who works on jukeboxes anymore? Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. It's mm-hmm. funny. I, I went that direction too. Like, you know, I, I, everything was physical media. Um, at one point I had like, oh, I think almost 2,800 CDs and then, um, we moved into a very small apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to get rid of them. Um, I didn't get rid of all the CDs. I, I put them back into the zipper cases that they had sort mm-hmm. of gotten out of. I used to have them in bookcases, you know, in the living yeah. room and it was like a whole centerpiece. Um, but I ended up putting them, you know, getting rid of the jewel cases, throwing them into the folders and just putting them in storage after carefully ripping them all to my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time I just went full, like, you know, full digital, um, mm-hmm. Spotify, iTunes, you know, before Spotify, whatever. But now I'm just starting to rebuild my vinyl collection. So mm-hmm. somewhere in my garage, I have a, a crate full of some of the albums that I kept, you know, from, from being a kid and stuff. Oh, cool. And I have boxes of cassettes in, some in, in the garage as well. And um, I just started to buy albums that I never had to begin with. Right, Especially yeah. Steely Dan. So I, I, I picked up Asia. I picked up Galcho. Um, uh, you familiar with a band called Marvelous 3? Yeah, I've heard the name, but I've never listened to them. Oh, you should check them out. We'll talk about them because they're on my on my playlist. But um, uh, I bought their new album when it came out on vinyl. They just put a new record out after, I don't know, I think the last record came out in like 2001 or mm-hmm. something. So like 20-something years. Yeah. And they, they finally, finally reunited and put a new record out. And I was thrilled. So pre-ordered that bad boy and mm-hmm. got it on orange vinyl. <laughs> Ooh. I know colored vinyl is always yeah. the way to go. I don't like buying new vinyl because it's expensive and I'm very cheap. But, you know, there's specific things that I like. Um, like I've got a Station to Station by David Bowie. And it's on this translucent orange vinyl and it's it's beautiful. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I just got the reissue of Zeppelin Four, and it's clear mm-hmm. vinyl. So that, that's kind of pretty. Oh, man. Yeah, I just don't have a record player. You don't have a record player? <laughs> I made this decision. Man. I don't. I made the decision to to start, you know, building vinyl collection, and I was like, you know what? I'll just have to wait until I really get a hankering to hear something, and I'll just have to, you know, it's. I want to invest and get a decent system, and Mm -hmm. and, you know, have it someplace where I can like really enjoy it, and you know, I just need to take care of some stuff in the house to make that happen. But Mm -hmm. soon, you know, soon. So I'm 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 making myself go down that road because I know (laughs) I'm going to get there. Yeah, I know. I have a very very cheap system my record player i mean it's um it's like the uh the entry level audio technica but i mean it's a good record player but like my um my amplifier is a old uh home sound system from when i was it's probably 20 years old and somehow it works and the speakers i have are two that i bought from the thrift store for maybe five bucks so I have a very very cheap system. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to save some money so I can buy a better one because my speakers are going out on me, unfortunately. Oh uh, well, yeah, now you got to get new ones. Yeah. But sometimes the old stuff sounds better, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just it was just made better. All all the solid state components and and all that. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. So playlists and Queen oh, yeah. and mixtapes and everything else. Thank you for making um, one of the things that I've been asking guests to do is. You know, come prepared to talk about music, right? Because that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. But also in, in the sort of invitation that I send out, as you know, it's like, hey, send me a playlist, right? Let me let me take a look at what you're listening to and, and get a feel for your, your music taste. So yeah. you sent me a great one. Um, some stuff I know, some, some artists that I really know, but just don't know the particular tracks that you picked out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's slightly deeper cuts, which is kind of cool. Um, but just a great blend. Um, 
you know, I'm just looking at it right now. So Heart, Little Queen, love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bootsy Collins, Parliament, Flashlight, you know, eternal favorite. Um Duran Duran, Girls on Film. So, like, you, you've really got the classic rock thing nailed, and then and you're moving out into the whole funk world, and then yeah. back around to the 80s. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm digging the, the flow. Um, and I see you put two Steely Dan songs on, and what's really making me happy is that you picked My Rival. I <laughs> Tell love, me about that. love that song. And I feel like I get I always get a lot of hate because I like that song. Like, you know, I'm in those Steely Dan groups on Facebook, and they'll – like every month or so, somebody will post their ranking of Gaucho, and it like my rival is always the last one or like one of the last two. I'm like, you, it's a great song. I don't understand why I get the hate for that. I don't get why it gets the hate either. Yeah. I mean, it's it starts out with this sort of you know almost sinister like carousel organ yeah. kind of thing, right? And then it just right turns into this this nasty groove, and mm-hmm. it's. You know, such a good story song, right? I mean, just the characters in it and and, and how Fagin kind of unwinds it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> definitely up. one of my favorites, too. It's definitely... So... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, you know, it's... it's. I think the Gaucho album gets a lot of un, unwarranted hate from even, you know, Deep Steely Dan fans. Yeah, I don't understand why. Like, Gaucho was probably my favorite Steely Dan album just because of the instrumentation and the storylines in the songs to me at least i think that's what makes the album so great is i think okay this may be a little out there but my theory about this album is it's a concept album about seven different losers and it takes you like kind of a day in their life and what they do and why they're losers so i don't know if that's what they were thinking or you know just me being a conspiracy theorist, but that's how I see this album. Yeah, it's it's the darkest album in their mm-hmm. catalog for sure, and I think it's it's definitely every character is somebody that you just probably don't want to hang out with. Right? right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely got that that lose that loser thing going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, but it's. You know, I mean, the circumstances behind the recording of the album, um, you know, they were sort of at the end of their, their partnership and, you know, Walter being in the hospital and, you know, getting hit by a car and his girlfriend ODing and, and all that stuff happening. I think it just put a real dark spin on everything. Mm-hmm. There's also a conspiracy theory, since you, since you mentioned that, there's a conspiracy theory that they had way better, quote unquote, better songs written that they were going to record but because this was kind of like a grudge album because of the whole record deal thing with Mm -hmm. with mca um they said that you know fagan sabotaged it and recorded the the worst songs that he had in his pocket just to get it out the door i don't think i believe that though i love that theory because it just seems like something that he would do but um because that's what you know (laughs) they say about the second arrangement that they intentionally erased it to so mca wouldn't make as much money off of the album i want i want to believe that theory but i don't think it's true i I don't think so either and and if those are the worst songs he had then they're better than you know 80 percent of the other artists out there could ever (laughs) hope to write so (laughs) (laughs) yeah Cool. So, what do you what do you take into consideration? And, and we can back up to mixed CDs and mixed tapes if you want. But like when you, when you're putting together a collection, you know who's the audience? Is it is it sometimes for somebody else? Is it just for you? Um, 
what's your consideration going into making a mix? Like, do you start with just a song you can't get out of your head and then build it out from there? Like, walk me through that process for you. So for me, um, when I make playlists, it's based on moods, I guess. Like, what if I'm in a certain mood, like I want a like a fast pace, like a like a hype playlist, I guess you would call it. I build my playlist around that, or like times of day almost, like at night I want to listen to softer music. Like I don't want to listen to Motley Crue at 10 p.m. So kind of a softer playlist. <laughs> and then in the mornings, you know, when I'm trying to wake up, I'll listen to that more fast-paced playlist. So it's based on moods and feelings, sort of not necessarily a specific song to start out and finding the vibe, like a, a matching vibe with that song. Makes sense. Uh, side, side note before I follow up on that Favorite Motley Crue song Hmm Either Knock em Dead Kid Or Too Fast for Love Wow, okay Both good choices Livewire is mine Oh, a thousand what percent. a great I, song I never get sick of that song That first album is just phenomenal Yeah It is, oh. yeah, the, the whole thing is great But Tommy Lee's drum playing on that song it's fast, it's furious, the, the meter is way off, but it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> because it just kicks so much ass. <laughs> you you know? know, I play drums, and that's one of my favorite songs to play. I love playing any Motley Crue stuff. Like, when I first got into Motley Crue, that kind of was like, oh, I'm going to start playing drums so I can learn how to do all this kind of stuff. Like, the double bass, and he's got the cowbell and stuff in that song. It's just such a fun song to play. Oh, yeah, it's a workout. That, yeah. that song's a workout for sure. <laughs> Uh, all right, so sorry. So back to the whole playlist thing. I just, I just, you know, hear Motley Crue, and I'm like, I love Motley Crue, and yeah. I don't listen to them nearly <laughs> enough anymore. Um, so, do you intentionally move things around in a playlist because you know one thing flows better after the other, or do you just go with the mood and just throw stuff in and just let it shuffle? You know, well, I just let it shuffle. I used to be super big into letting the songs crossfade into each other. Um, and so I would I'd move them around and be like, oh, this would sound so good going into this one. Or I'll unintentionally do it if I have it on shuffle. I'm like, I, I, there was a really cool transition. It was, it, was some, it was a Steely Dan song that transitioned into a Led Zeppelin song. But I can't remember either of the songs that it was. So I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to find that transition and recreate it. <laughs> <laughs> yes i love that when you get the perfect blend mm -hmm. well what about you what do you how do you build your playlists and all that kind of stuff well it's so funny because spotify and even itunes before it really just changed you know the the way because you know you throw stuff in a playlist and then you can drag it around and and change it and, and sequence it any way you want later and even you know change it six months after that right mm -hmm. but Back in the day, making a, a mixtape or even a mix CD, like you really had to map it out, right? So, right. Um, you know, when I used to make actual cassettes, I would sit with, I used to have like a little notepad and a pen that I would just sit and write down song names and then just like, you know, cross them out and move one up and mm -hmm. cross one out and move one down and, you know, kind of think, had to think through like, okay, what am I, what's the story I'm trying to tell here, right? Mm -hmm. If I was making a mix for myself just to play in the car or something, I wouldn't spend that much time on it. But yeah. if I was making a mix for a friend or a girlfriend or a girl I wanted to be my girlfriend, <laughs> you know, something like that, then I would, I would put way too much thought into mm -hmm. it. Um, 
you know, and, and trying to sort of t- tell the story through the songs, whether it was lyrically or, or musically. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into the CD era, you know, same thing. I mean, it was a little easier to move things around because you had to stage all of your files and then, you know, burn them, right? So mm-hmm. you, you had some time to kind of mess around. You, you didn't have to do analog one after the other like right. on tape. Um, but I still used to spend a fair amount of time trying to make sure that the songs fit something, right? Whether mm-hmm. it was a vibe or, you know, I, I wouldn't. And, and sometimes I would do crazy transitions just because they worked, right? Like, mm-hmm. they would just be, like, a weird set of songs that would just sort of fit together for whatever reason, you mm-hmm. know, thematically. Um, funny story, um, and my wife asked me to, to tell this because um, I told her we were going to be talking about mixtapes and mix CDs and stuff. But when I was first... Um, we were friends for a bit before we started dating, and um, when I realized that I kind of wanted to be more than friends... She was kind of seeing some other guy, you know, nothing crazy, but um, I was a little jealous. And I made her a mix CD, and track one was I Want to Be Your Lover by Prince. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just got to get straight to the point. At the time, I thought it was like a baller move. Looking back now, it's a little bit cringy, but, you know, hey, it, it works, right? It I mean, worked. you know, 19 yeah. years later, and we're, we're still married. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I always try to consider, you know, like what the end goal of, of giving somebody the mix was. You know, I had a couple of friends that we would always trade tapes and, see, and later CDs and stuff. And it was always more about discovery, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you've never heard this band? Well, let me make you a mixtape with, you know, three or four of their best songs peppered into it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the Spotify thing... Um, you know, I was I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I used to do um, a bunch of these music challenges. I don't know if you're familiar. I feel like Facebook might have something similar if mm-hmm. you're on Facebook. Maybe. Um, so yeah. you know, people will post um, they'll post like a, a theme for for the month, right? So it's like you know, uh, a song with the word blue in it, a song with the word green in it, things like that. Yeah. Like, you know, and then you've got to come up with something and people post at a certain time every night, whatever. So for a while there, I was participating in a lot of those challenges and I was making playlists based on some of the stuff that I did. Oh, so cool. I got yeah. some really cool themes, you know, out of those. Um, I think really my Spotify stuff is, you know, A, again, it's 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 making people playlists because um, I want them to hear things that, that I want them to hear. Mm. <laughs> Right. But I think they need to hear. Right. Um, or if someone me, happens to be, just... uh, you got to make your playlist. And because if somebody's following you, they got to think you're cool and stuff like that. It's all just for <laughs> for other people. It's not for yourself. That's right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then for myself, it's it's just, you know, I have the, the, the one that I sent you is I've been doing these things called like, you know, Chad's picks or cure. I think the current series I'm on is curated favorites. And what it is, is like, it's my kind of placeholder for discovery. Right. So when I find a cool song that I never heard before, something new, somebody turns me on to a new artist or whatever, I'll throw something into that playlist. If I'm just in the car and Spotify's on shuffle and it's throwing me random stuff, um, you know, some deep cut that I knew 20 years ago might come on and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that song in a long time. Mm. So, I'll throw it on my playlist so I can go back to it. Um, and that's what I've been doing with those. And then when, when each one of those gets up to about, I think, 200, 250 songs, I just start a new one so they don't get too unwieldy. Yeah. You know? And the other thing I think, you know, with the mixtapes, um, 
I actually dug out a bunch of old cassettes, um, just came across them in a, in a box, <laughs> and took it upon myself to take pictures and, and scan the the inserts, um, because, you know, not only, and I don't know if you did this with CDs, I did it with CDs, but it started with tapes. I used to make custom covers for everything. Like, yeah. I would sit and go through magazines and cut out pictures and get a glue stick and just, like, you know make collages and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of fun stuff. So did you ever do any of that with, with mix CDs? No, I never did that sort of thing. That was kind of after, like, when I was growing up, like, we didn't really make CDs. That was kind of at the start of the MP3 player era. So that was a little a little before me. Right. My dad used to do that. Um, like, he would make stuff online Got and it. print it out and stick it in the stick it in the CD case. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I think it's it's part of the whole thing. Um. Yeah, so, I don't know, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of, you know, um, bands you're listening to right now? Anything new? Anything old? Uh, <laughs> What's on your mind? I've been listening to, I've been doing a deep dive into Brian Eno at the moment. I've been a Roxy Music fan for a long time. Huh. And um, one of my favorite movies of all time is Velvet Goldmine uh, with Christian Bale. And it has a phenomenal soundtrack. And I listened to Babies on Fire from Brian Eno's Here Comes the Warm Jets. And I was like, I need to listen to this album all the way through. So I listened to that one. And I'm trying to make my way through his through his entire discography. And then, you know, it gets a little weird kind of in the late 70s, early 80s. But I'm, I'm still trying to, to push through and listen to it. Is that when he started to go, like, real electronic and was working with yeah. Robert Fripp and, and that whole scene? Yeah, yeah, doing the yeah. the ambience music kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I could never get into that kind of stuff. I mean, it's I, I, I appreciate it, I respect it, but I just, like, I don't purposely go put it on and listen to it. Maybe right. if it's in the background, you know? Yeah, something like that, but I'm not going to, you know, try and do something else while listening to it. I'll listen to something else that is a little more interesting or engaging if that makes sense yeah absolutely but tell me about some of your cassettes what were our what were some of the the songs on them oh let me pull up the one that i was talking about with you before we started recording um so even back in the day you know if I was making my – all the ones that I found that I posted were ones that I made for myself and, and a couple of them were more for convenience because I didn't have a CD player in mm-hmm. my car. But I had a subscription to CMJ New Music Monthly Magazine back in the day mm-hmm. and it used to come with an actual disc, right? So right. they would give you a sampler of like you know 15 songs or whatever and it was a lot of fun because that was how you discovered music before the internet. So I mean it was one of the ways that I discovered music before the internet. So – what I used to do is, um, you know, pop the disc in, listen, find the songs that I liked, and then I would just grab those and, and throw them on a tape so I could play them in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and that, that also sort of evolved into me just, okay, you know, dubbing other stuff off of other tapes or CDs because, you know, hey, I want to listen to this today or whatever. And I would just build up a, a tape over time, um, you know, not planned out necessarily and then just throw stuff on and, and see what stuck. But this one I thought was a pretty good, um, amalgam, you know, of, of all different things. So, uh, side a leads off with nasty girl by vanity six. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
still still one of the nastiest grooves I think ever. Yeah. You know, Prince obviously wrote it and, and produced it, and I think he played all the instruments on it too. Um, you know, love love me some Prince. Mm. Um, then I spin off into "It Was a Good Day" by Ice Cube. Um, and again, like, you know, th- this is not a good example of sequencing. This is just random shit thrown on a tape. Yeah. You know? But um, Thieves Like Us by New Order. Ooh, good one. Uh, is, is the third track. And then uh, it's a B-side that's my favorite Cure song ever called Too Late. It's the number two late. Um, are you into the Cure at all? A little bit. I need to. I've got a couple of their cassettes. I need to sit down and listen to them. One of my listeners at the radio station, he's a huge fan, and so every week he'll try and request a Cure song that I've more than likely never heard. He's like, I'm going to turn you into a, a big fan of theirs eventually. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. They're, they're one of my favorite bands, I think, you know, and it's it's um, something that started in, in the 80s when I was in high school, and... Um, yeah, I still go back to some of their their early stuff, and and it's just great. Um, so this was, I think, this one was nineteen ninety three. This tape. So then we're into like post grunge kind of stuff, like Paul Westerberg, Sonic Youth. Um, what else is on there? Smashing Pumpkins. Um, but then I kind of take a left turn and pick up the pieces by Average White Band. <laughs> um, classic, classic tune there. Uh, Looking for Clues by Robert Palmer. Are you familiar? Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, great, great track. Um, and then Izzy Stradlin from Guns, from Guns N' Roses, Roses did yeah. a solo album. Yeah, and he had a single out called Shuffle It All, and it's just a great song. It's it's just a blatant Rolling Stones ripoff, but, you know, why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then we go into some Lenny Kravitz, some Jane's Addiction, uh, Jimmy Olsen's Blues by Spin Doctors. Spin Doctors retroactively seem to get a lot of hate like people just look back on them as like this you know pseudo jam band kind of thing and mm-hmm. i don't know why i always kind of like them yeah that was a little before my time i say that but uh but yeah i I never really listened to them i knew uh what's their big song called the one that like everybody knows uh oh little miss can't be wrong yeah yeah, I don't. I don't know why they they get so much you know retroactive hate, but okay. <laughs> um, and then U two, the Fly. Um, I don't know why I picked that particular track off that album, but Octung Baby is one of my favorite albums ever, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's probably my favorite U two album. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I'm not a big U two fan, but I I appreciate them. I understand why people like them. Yeah, that album was just such a turning point for them. It was you know really different i mean it it sounded like nothing they had done before um i think you know i kind of got turned off by them a little bit with joshua tree i felt like it was just bono being pompous for 45 minutes (laughs) thank you (laughs) i have the same opinion of that album yeah i mean i think you know he he got just a little bit too full of himself um the music is fabulous you know like the the playing and you know i'll 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 die on this hill that um larry mullen jr and um uh, Adam Clayton, the bass player, they're one of the most solid rhythm sections in any rock band. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just listen to them play live, they are just locked in and they can just hold it down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bon- Bono just for, for a while there, it was just like, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then he, he kind of came back with, with Octung Baby and just went over the top and, you know, started sort of making fun of himself. And it was like, okay, he gets it, you know? So mm-hmm. then, then it was, they kind of, Pulled me back in a little bit. 
Um, let's see. Then I wrap up with uh, Seasons by Chris Cornell. You know that one? I do not know that one. Okay. That one you need to go listen to. Um, right. Great song. You know, and Chris Cornell's voice was just unmatched. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he did it. I think it was on the soundtrack for the movie Singles. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so it was like one of his only solo things of, of that era. And then I think he ended up coming out with his own albums you know, mm-hmm. later or whatever. Um, and then I end off with Evangeline by Matthew Sweet, which is another great 90s album if you haven't mm-hmm. heard it. That's a pretty cool. It, The one that I made, I wasn't sure if it, ours would overlap at all, but none of none of what we did overlapped. Now that I'm looking back at the... Uh, the track listing. Yeah, which is funny because, you know, I, I like so much of the stuff that was on, on your playlist. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and this, again, this is just one example. Um, but, you know, looking at the playlist that I sent you to, there's a, there's a couple of highlights. Um, let's see. Um, so Lazy Nina by Greg Fillingaines. I wasn't even aware of this song until a few months ago. Right. And, you know, Fagan wrote it and I think plays on it and or maybe he doesn't play on it, but he, he basically gave it to Greg Fillingaines because, you know, Greg did such a great job. Um, you know, he played most of the keyboards or all the keyboards or whatever on um, Nightfly. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got some Beatles. James on there. Gang. Are you a James Gang fan? I am. Yeah. I'm a huge Joe Walsh fan in general. I was really into some Joe Walsh stuff um, in college and, and right after. So, like, Life's Been Good and Rocky Mountain Way. Like, those mm-hmm. are just evergreen album rock, sing-along in yeah. the car kind of songs. Um, and I didn't make the connection with James Yang until much later. And, you know, Funk 49 is, is just a, an evergreen tune for me. Like, it still shows up on playlists every once in a while. Um, but they have a song called The Bomber. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like a, yeah, like a medley and it's, you know, seven minutes long. Had no idea, right? Every band in the seventies, I think had something like this where they would just mash two or three different songs together and, you know, make, make one long track out of mm-hmm. it. But, um, it's great, you know, and, and this, it, it made my playlist. Um, let's see what else, uh, are you into Frank Zappa at all? I am. Yeah. I'm starting, I'm in the beginning stages. So I just like, uh. Like Titties and Beer and uh, Punky's Whips. Those are the two songs that I really, really like at the moment. And of course, as a drummer, nice. I love uh, I love Terry Bozio. Oh God, yes! Everybody in his bands, um, especially the live bands, were like top-notch musicians. Mm-hmm. Like you think Steely Dan were bad about you know like pushing studio musicians to their limits? I think Zappa was like you know just a taskmaster, right? Yeah. At least all the stories that I've read. But, you know, it worked. Um, it, it worked because I think he got the best performances mm-hmm. out of people. And Terry Bozio, like, you know, people only really know him for, um, what was the 80s band he was in with Dale Bozio? Missing Persons. Yes, Missing Persons. I love that stuff. A lot of people hate on it because it's that, you know. I do too. It's great, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's the time and the place. It takes you back to that very, very specific moment in music when that's just what the, the sound was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Brian Carlock, who I'm sure you know, um, I guess his wife put a put a mm-hmm. record out recently. I had no idea, but I, I think he posted about it, I want to say, on his Instagram. So I went and listened to it, and it's a pretty decent song. So I threw it on my playlist for later. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your feelings on country music? I like, um, I really like 90s country music. 
And, you know, I like George Jones and Johnny Cash, but I really like 90s because that's what my mom liked when she was in high school. So then we listened to it when I was a kid. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like I don't like modern country music because at our um, at the station group that I work for, we're over four different stations that have very differing music genres. And so one of them is a country station. And all, when we schedule them and have to listen to them, it's all of that that new country, and it's just terrible. <laughs> like the the lyrics are super cheesy, and just you know, my dad and I make fun of it because. Every modern country song has, like, the same three or four elements in it. Like, they have to talk about Yeti coolers, <laughs> trucks, and mud. <laughs> That's how you make a country song now. Yep. A thousand percent. I love that. Um, yeah, same. I mean, you know, I'm not a big country fan except for classic stuff like George Jones and, like you said, Johnny Cash. Um, I was asking because the, a couple days ago, um, you know, I'm still building this this particular, you know, playlist. And... Um, I was listening to Cake, um, the Fashion Nugget album, and they do a cover of Sad Songs and Waltzes by Willie Nelson. And I was listening to their version, and I was like, God, I haven't heard the Willie Nelson version in forever. So I went and dug that up on Spotify and and threw it in there. It's such a good song. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite uh, Willie Nelson albums, he does an album of American standard covers, like Sunny Side of the Street, uh, someone to watch over me and it's a phenomenal album he does a great job with them so if you haven't listened to that album i would highly check it out is that the one where it's kind of him and he plays a lot of like jazz guitar kind of uh it has a little bit more of a a country twang to it okay. but it's still you can tell that these are supposed to be like jazz songs right now i'm asking because um Willie Nelson is one of the most underrated guitar players. I mean, if you just sit and listen to him play, he's just unreal. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. um, his his, yeah. his chord voicings and, you know, a lot of the stuff that he wrote in, in the guise of country songs, like it just has like, you know, classical and and uh, jazz undertones to it. You know, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's... So many artists are just underappreciated for certain things because they get famous for something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like, I um, I think that Joe Perry is a very underrated guitar player. Like, you know, people love Aerosmith, but I think when a lot of people think of Aerosmith, they think of their late 80s, 90s stuff and not their first, like, three or four albums, which are phenomenal oh, albums. Yeah. Like, those first three or four albums are just absolutely outstanding they like uh their debut is really good get your wings is really good and his guitar playing is just you know people don't talk about it enough in my opinion at least oh i agree and not only his lead guitar work but like he's just um, i don't know who wrote what in the band but i'm assuming he he brought a lot of the riffs to the table because they're just you know they're just great riffs like i mean you're they're so everything's so catchy with Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. um but yeah, I yeah. I agree. I think like their their eighty stuff, they got real sort of, you know, power ballady and <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, I was just um just reading an article, I forget where it was or what the actual topic was, but they were digging into how um 
metal kind of died, you know, traditional metal sort of died in the, in the, in the late eighties or the early nineties with, with all the, the glam rock stuff and like poison and warrant mm-hmm. and, you know, even, even some of the harder bands had to compete and do like these power ballads and like, you know, sort of cheesy songs to, to get on the radio. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's like grunge didn't take over. It was just, it, it was just, people stop listening to, to everything else, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very odd, um, me and my dad have this, um, theory that Skid Row's debut album was really the, the push towards grunge. Cause I wouldn't consider that like a metal or a hair metal album. It has, I think some of those early grunge influences to me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think they had a lot of punk energy to them. Um, you know, and I think Sebastian Bach mm-hmm. wasn't really a metal singer. I mean, like, or he didn't want, I, mean, I don't think that was his, his first thing, you know? I feel like if I remember correctly reading mm-hmm. about him and seeing interviews, he was like a theater kid, <laughs> right? So, yeah. <laughs> or he was in a choir or something like that. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't think like he, he came up as, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to be this, this rock star who kind of stumbled into it. Um, but yeah, no, they definitely had a, a, a grungier mm-hmm. sound to them for sure. Uh, when was the last time you made like a physical mixtape or like CD or cassette? I'm just curious since you're getting back into physical media. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I couldn't tell you the last CD I made. Probably when my wife and I got married, we I made a we, we got married like in de- uh, December. So I, as a wedding favor, made everybody a Christmas CD, like a classic standard christmas song cd and um i designed a cover for the cd that had um uh the place we got married they had like a a brochure or something that had like this really cool artistic rendering of the building with like snow and stuff on it so i used that and i photoshopped our names into it and you know it came out if i say so myself it came out really nice um we we wrapped them up and and you know gave them to people as as a favor so that was 2004 (laughs) um probably in the couple years after that i might have made a few more but i think my my cd making was limited to giving them out at parties or making them for special occasions for people because you know um a lot of people at that point still weren't going digital and still wanted physical media so i was you know kind of forced to burn cds if i wanted to share music with you know grandfathers mm-hmm. and uncles and aunts and, and those types of folks. So, um, you know, I think we did one for my wife's grandfather's 90th birthday. Um, and I made a mix CD of just all stuff from his era, all his favorite songs. And we made copies for everybody. And, you know, I'm actually admitting to piracy on, on YouTube right now, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's what we did. So I think I gotta say it was 2005, 2006, I'm going to guess. Cool. You think you're going to get back into it? I don't think so. I mean, I'm definitely when I when I build this this system that I'm planning on for, you know, for vinyl, I'm definitely going to buy a CD player. Um, I have a cassette deck, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to play all my tapes at some point. Um, but since I have so many CDs, I would love to probably move them back into jewel cases so I can get to them so I can actually take them out and play them without having to go through all the books. So we'll see. Well, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Anything else on your mind? Um, I think that's it. I just, this is the only mixtape that I've ever made. I made it for a, um, 
one of my cousins, she lives in Oklahoma, and I made it for her, and I never sent it to her. I was going to mail it to her, and it just slipped my mind, so I still have it. And it's, uh, I dated it. It was, uh, let's see, June 12th, 2022, and I have the, the set list is, a, or the track listing is a, it's an odd track listing, like the A side. I tried to make it themed, like, the A side is more well-known songs, and the B side was like, you may not have heard these songs before. They're kind of weird. They're kind of out there, or they're deep cuts from well-known artists. On some of them, but it's a it was a cool, cool. I still listen to it every now and then. I ordered a Walkman last night in my uh, late-night <laughs> eBay viewings. If I stay up too late, I'll end up ordering stuff off of eBay that I don't need. Cool. So what's on the tape? You want to give me some tracks? Sure. So on side A, it opens with I Can't Go For That by Hall & Excellent Oates. choice. Uh, then Stiletto by Billy Joel, Fool in the Rain, Zeppelin, You Might Think the Cars, uh, Good Girls Don't by The Knack, Killer Queen, Never Tear Us Apart, In Excess, Living Thing, ELO, Young Americans, David Bowie, and it ends with Life's Been Good. Oh. Then side B kicks off with... When I'm With You by Sparks, Too Shy by Kajagugu, Love is the Drug, Roxy Music, Love My Way, Psychedelic Furs, On the Loose, Saga, uh, Word on the Wing, David Bowie, Big Log, Robert Plant, Hungry for You, The Police, and then I end it with The Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight, The End by The Beatles. Nice. Excellent. I, I love and just I think the left field song to me on that tape is is too shy by Kajagugu, but it works like it it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I love that song. I heard it in a uh, I heard it in a movie. It was uh, do you remember that Netflix movie where it was the interactive one, and it was the um, where the guy was making the video game where you could choose your own adventure. Yeah, it was like the Black Mirror thing or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that song in that movie for the first time, and I'm like, wow, this is great. So I've been a fan of theirs ever since. Nice. So are you eventually going to get that out in the mail? I think so, maybe. <laughs> this might be the time to do it now that now that I think about it. I'll finally, finally get her a mixtape that I made for her. You should. I think she'd appreciate it. Um, that was the other thing about mixtapes is like when somebody made you one, it was like, wow, you spent all this time doing this for me. That's so cool. You know, mm-hmm. um, speaking of Billy Joel, did you hear that he's got a new single about to come out? Yes. I'm very excited about it. It'll be his first new song since 1993. I'm very excited because, because River of Dreams isn't really my thing. I'm an, I'm a big early Billy Joel fan, so I'm not. Too big on Stormfront or that last album. Same. What's your favorite Billy Joel album? Whew. Yeah, I know. Hard decision. <laughs> uh, either 52nd Street or An Innocent Man. It may be An Innocent Man. I okay. love that album. Yeah, it's it's solid. And, and talk about a concept album like that. Mm-hmm. That just ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, I have to go Glass Houses for mine. Ah, the rock album. Yeah, oh, the rock album, that's right. Um, or Turnstiles, because mm-hmm. Turnstiles was just such a sort of curveball from him, you know. It mm-hmm. was just a random collection of stuff, I feel like. But to me, they all worked. And again, it was one of those those first albums that I think I, I had when I was a kid. <laughs> so, 
hold, holds a special place because I probably listened to it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Turnstiles is a good album, and you know he had just moved back to New York, or he was in the process of moving to New York, so he was in a different mindset than his first couple of albums. So it's a it's an interesting one to listen to, considering what was going on in his private life at the time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, cool. Hey, this has been great. Yeah. Um, I think we can. Yeah. Unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, I believe that's it for me. Thank you for having All me right. on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Same here. And thank you for joining. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. And uh, anything you want to plug your your podcast, your show. Oh, you can listen to my podcast. It's called Reagan's Rewind, where my co-host Anthony Craven and I. We take an album from the 70s or 80s, we uh, trade off each week, and we go through the track listing, do the album charts, singles charts, reviews, all that kind of stuff, and just dissect it. So our next episode is The Mothership Connection by Parliament, so I'm very excited about it. Good one. Love that album. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I will be subscribing. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Hopefully some of you out there will, too. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, let's get the word out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> great. So, thanks again. Um, yeah. Wonderful talking to you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah.